there's this idea of the reticular activating system in the brain that creates a cognitive bias. And so that whole thing of like when you, when you, you know, you just bought a, a gray Nissan and then all you see, you see a bunch of gray Nissans that same week or something where whatever it is that you're kind of focused on, you see more of that. And so it can kind of create this bias where you start to notice certain things more, which is so profound to realize that there's so many things happening all the time, but our brain isn't, isn't pointing it all out to us. Yeah. We only we only notice, you know, a small percentage of what's actually going on around us. And so for me, love signals, it's like I became and I and it's still a becoming, it's an ongoing process of being this source of love, being this generator of love for myself, but then also starting to notice love out there. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Everyone is Cancelled, episode 65. I think it's 65. Ooh. I have with me Michaela McDonald of Love Signals. Hello, hello. My partner. <laughs> My love partner. His voice gets so deep when he says that. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. So today we're going, to, we're going to be discussing her new podcast, which really represents a whole universe uh, of, of ideas, or maybe just an idea of something called love signals. And it honestly has changed the way that I think about things, like in a universal way, whether it's myself or the way I relate to the world or the way the world relates to me, or even just the world outside of me, just observing it. And it's one of those things where y you hear a few words and you kind of get it, and you can go as deep into it as you want, but even at face value, there's something that you can instantly get there, and that's what I love about it. And it's really this whole idea of journaling in a in a way that I really haven't ever have heard of before. I think it's really Michaela's creation. <laughs> and anyways, I want to get into that. I want to introduce what that is. And I appreciate you being here. So congratulations on your first episode of Love Signals. Thank you. Thank you. And the second episode will come out uh, this Wednesday. And is that available on all platforms? Spotify? All platforms every single one and youtube it's going to be on youtube here any minute so beautiful mm -hmm. you're a beautiful person it's a beautiful episode i encourage you all to listen to it. it's love signals on spotify itunes stitcher whatever you can get your hands on all pla all basic podcast platforms even amazon i think amazon google yeah yeah there's and so soon to be youtube yeah so i'd like to get right into it what is love signals well i'm so Honestly, I, I was smiling so big as Dylan was describing how he feels about love signals because I didn't know that. I didn't know that it had kind of opened your mind in that way. So I look forward to talking about that. Um, love signals, let's see. Gosh, it means so many things. I really do think it feels like a universe to me. And uh, I was talking about it with my friend this past weekend, and she was saying how and then and another friend of mine kind of echoed this idea of like, it feels like something that's lived inside of you for a long, long time. And it's kind of a, a world and, and an idea that you've thought a lot about. And, um, and now like you're sharing it more with the world. So it started off the more, most kind of concrete piece of it that happened um, that beyond just me thinking about it <laughs> was a year-long project I did where I wrote a daily love letter to myself. So it's like a daily self-love letter 
from my 29th birthday in June of 2020 to my 30th birthday in June of 2021. And I, you know, and I go into more of the details of all of this in my podcast, but basically I wanted to explore what would happen if I dedicated time each and every day to offering love and compassion to myself. And it felt kind of scandalous and kind of like, I don't know, I don't know if this is going to just be, you know, a certain use of my time or if anything beautiful is going to come from it. But it felt compelling and I did it. And I feel like I learned so many things along the way. And it was really a beautiful experience. Even just the level of deciding to do something every day for a year and doing that, that felt so profound. And it was kind of hit some notes of connecting to being creative each day, but then also some notes of self-reflection and even just dipping into that world of being kind to myself in a, in a conscious way every day. I've been amazed at what doing something for a year can do to change your life. Like if it's something new, something productive, something you want to do, something that feeds your soul, whether it's exercise or journaling, um, I think it's profound. And this led you to something called, what would you even call it? Self-coaching? Self-dialogue? I'd love for you to share that because that is fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, so this is something I think that in a way I had been doing for a long time because I've been a coach since like 2015 or so, but I've also been journaling since I was 13 years old um, pretty consistently. I think I I journaled some before then, but um, but just this idea of like having having conversations with the self is something that kind of organically evolved, but especially I did quite a bit of when I was in my coaching training where I'd I'd basically go through a process with myself and I'd take turns. Sometimes I'd even speak to myself as if I was the coach saying, okay, Michaela, what do you notice now? And then I'd be myself. Well, now I notice my stomach hurts or whatever it was. And you'd even record it, right? And play it back and answer it with that sort of dialogue. Yeah. And so that's something that it evolved to where I realized there's something really powerful about recording myself. And maybe this is just true for me or maybe it's true for other people where recording myself One, while I'm doing it, it does make me feel more like I'm being listened to and it kind of helps me focus and be a bit more efficient (laughs) with how I say things. Um, I I do think it kind of tricks the brain in a certain way to being like, oh, somebody's listening to us. This is, we need to speak as if we're talking to somebody. And then on the other side, it also helped because I could kind of listen back and, and witness the process it was it was really beautiful and so i've i've done this a few times with myself where it's like i really almost separate myself into kind of two parts there's the coach part and then there's the kind of client part and it's so beautiful too because to me being in that like coach headspace part of the joy of being a coach is that you get to go into this headspace that is really grounded and um deeply curious and deeply non-judgmental. So just to listen and witness whatever the other part of me was presenting with this kind, compassionate ear that's also really listening and noticing things like, oh, you sped up when you said that part, or oh, your voice got higher when you said that, or oh, it seems like there's extra emotion here, and and like kind of choosing to investigate certain things based on what you notice um, Mm. can be really profound. So what part of this journey 
led you to the idea of love signals and and how has love signals evolved into its own being mm. through all of this cool question it was really private all of it's been really private for a long long time journaling is obviously a very private act and then the uh year-long love letter daily love letter project was pretty private i told a few people about it but i was like mm, this isn't this isn't for the world this is for me and, and that felt important. I felt like I wanted to just experience it for myself. It, I didn't want it to be, feel at all like it was hitting any mm, performance note or even like, or even to flirt with that feeling of uh, getting approval from others for doing something. So I let it be private. And then really the last, you know, nine months or so, it's continued to be kind of this internal experience of, of digesting the things that I learned from that. And I, and I did feel like, gosh, I want to do something else. I want to do, I loved the year long thing, but I just sat with it and, and talked about it with trusted friends and it's evolved to this podcast. And I really want to give a shout out to Dylan because he helped me with the name because I was really thinking along the lines of love letters and all of that, but it, that doesn't fully encapsulate all that it is. And he helped me add the word signals, love signals, which feels so resonant. And, and it, I love it because it's so vast, this idea of signals, of all the different messages. Because signals, be, signals can be verbal, they can be nonverbal, they can be you know, through the wave forms of, you know, I, there's just so many things. It could be Morse code. <laughs> it could be uh, smoke signals. There's lots of signals. I, and I like how vast that that word is. And even the signals that can happen in our own body, that's how we talk about like neurochemical communication mm-hmm. and signals, you know, the brain signals to the knee or whatever it is. Well, a lot of signals that we experience can't be seen with the human eyes. The human eyes is one sense. Yes. You know, there's so much that goes far beyond that. Yeah. And even light spectrums we can't see with our eyes. And there's so much that we feel and sense. And sometimes we know what it is. But the beauty of the universe is that a lot of the time we have no freaking idea what, yeah. what it is we're feeling. And getting in touch with that is what I'm hearing. Yeah. And that's, I think, the biggest thing that I realized, and or not even, it doesn't even feel fair to say realized, because it really, it, it was such an interesting combination of feeling like it was a message, it was a signal, right? It was a, it was a signal that I received, and it kind of felt like it came from me, but it also definitely felt like it didn't come from me, of feeling like how abundant the world around me was with love like just feeling all this love and all these signs and signals and messages of love I think there were even a few love letters in that year that I just kind of spontaneously felt inspired to write where it was like what if every everything that's happening in this moment is an act of love and I think I was sitting on the porch that I used to, of the house I used to live at in Colorado, and there were birds flying around and cars passing by. And I was like, what if all of this is here communicating love in some way, whether I understand it or not? And there's a way that it just felt so true to me and felt like such a cool thought experiment, whether it is true or not, of like, well, what if? And so I think... Love signals has, in a way, become like a whole perspective and a whole 
paradigm that I can tap into and that, that brings me a lot of peace. Yeah. Is that what this ultimately leads to for you? Is, is, is it about peace? Is there, is there no specific objective? Mm. Is it an objective to defeat, defeat the purpose of it? Or is it just mm. speaking from the heart and what you've learned through mm. journaling and sharing it with others to find their love? Mm. I think that's such a good question. I don't know if there is any objective. To me, it feels like the process is so beautiful. Mm. And, I agree. And the emphasis is yeah. so beautiful. Um, because, you know, my mom talks about this all the time of like, our attention is so precious. What we pay attention to. She's like, listen to the words there. Pay. You pay attention. It's a resource. Attention is a resource. And so thinking about, gosh, I actually really do have an incredible amount of freedom as to what I pay attention to. And if I really get to choose, then what do I want to pay attention to? What? And, and I even did this thought experiment a while back of like, if I could have any job or do anything in my life um, and, and know that I had enough money and I, you know, I was, all my needs were met basically, what would it be? What would I want to spend my time thinking about? And for me, it's, um, I love thinking about love. I love thinking about love, self-love, self-compassion. Uh, and, and so this is kind of an extension of that, of just loving the process. But the other thing I'll add is I really do believe, and this is partly from my own personal experience, but things I've witnessed and even things I've read, um, that when we are kind to ourselves, that that helps us become better to everyone. That, that it's actually a really helpful thing to do. It's because I think sometimes self-love is misunderstood as like, you know, we've because maybe we've been around narcissists <laughs> who've been doing it in like a weird way. Um, but self-love and self-compassion, I like to use both of those phrases because I think self-compassion in a way maybe illustrates the point even more of like being appreciative of and kind to ourselves as mm. we are existing as our imperfect selves. I love that. I, I heard a recent quote. Apparently, Grimes was on Lex Friedman's podcast mm. recently, and she mm. said, "You don't make the something along the lines." And I'm paraphrasing here: is you don't make the world a better place by destroying what you hate. Mm. You make the world a better place by building what you love. Mm. And that's what I'm hearing here. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think you know the world, like that whole macroscopic, microscopic. I think the world exists in each of us. In our, in our awareness and in our relationship to ourselves, as well as existing outside of us. So I think the more we can be compassionate with ourselves, the more we can be patient and understanding with others, and the more we can work through things better. I've often noticed the things that irritate me about people sometimes irritate me because they're things I don't like about myself. Mm. And I think acknowledging that and forgiving yourself and building on that rather than hiding from it. We talked about this a little bit in the last episode, Addiction. Mm. Um, and we talked about this haunting thing that people deal with and, and, and labeling yourself as a monster rather than finding the source of what you can love mm -hmm. and heal is hard. You know, I, it's much better in the long run, I believe, to find what needs to be healed and to love that rather than to close all the doors to that and to just say that uh, you're weak in this area and you can't acknowledge it, you can't touch it, that you're just 
you're just whatever. Whatever the diagnosis is, that's what you are. And you take your medication or you can't do this thing because you're quote unquote addicted Mm -hmm. rather than finding out what's causing the pain, finding a way to love yourself Mm -hmm. and finding a way to heal and be whole so that you don't need Mm -hmm. these outside sources to cause some sort of artificial uh, quote unquote contentness. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it comes from within. And that's what I hear in that. It's a piece that comes from within rather than something temporary that comes from outside of us. Yeah. And I I think you named something really interesting and important of kind of how we relate to ourselves when we feel like we've come up short or we've done something wrong. And it's so common. I mean, I know I do this and I, I know I've seen this with a lot of my coaching clients that there's this fear of forgiving ourselves. There's a fear of um, being kind to ourselves because there's this like underlying belief that the best way to make ourselves change is if we're critical. And that if we forgive ourselves or we're kind to ourselves, then we run a higher risk of repeating that. Because we'll think, oh, it's okay. I didn't, I, there was no consequences. I, I, I loved myself unconditionally through it and there were no consequences. So doesn't that mean I'm going to binge on that food or drug or whatever it is again, or, you know, not be honest with that person or whatever it is. And what I've found time and time again is that actually it's when we're critical of ourselves, when we're not accepting of ourselves and we're not kind to ourselves, we stay caught in that cycle because that behavior is actually often fueled by a deep sense of discomfort with ourselves or even rejection of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And the reason we do these things is because we're trying to manipulate how we feel by trying to manipulate others or trying to manipulate our own internal body chemistry. And there's something so profound about self-love and, and acceptance and compassion because it kind of cuts through all of that. I think of it like a loving parent. And that's actually one of the exercises that I I do with a lot of my clients is basically we identify the child part that is connected to whatever painful experience they're having. Maybe it's that they feel terrified to quit their job and we'll go into, okay, well, what do you imagine would happen if you did that? And then we follow that feeling that they have in their body back in time to whatever age pops up. And whether or not this actually applies to their child self or not, it's still a beautiful symbol that we can work with. And, and then we'll, we'll talk to the child. So that adult, the, the client I'm working with, will go into that scene and talk to the child and be kind to them and offer comfort. And then um, they'll kind of check in and imagine what it's like to be that child and see if they need anything else, see if, they, if there's anything else bothering them. And so basically it's almost like a reparenting of ourselves mm. and bringing in that deep compassion and love for ourselves at each step of the way, whatever has been going on that's upset us that maybe is lingering in the current reality. Um, so I know that that's a lot that I just said there, but but basically the the piece I really want to emphasize is this idea that, and and. One of, one of my bosses at uh, the app that I work out, Jessica Ordner, she says this. She's like, if criticizing yourself worked, it would have worked a long time ago. It hasn't worked. Look at the evidence. The evidence is, and she, this is in one of her courses for weight loss. She's like, if it worked, you would be thin. Mm-hmm. You would be here, right? And you'd be where you want to be. So why not try another way? And I think that's a really beautiful way to think about it. 
I love that. So you're helping people really learn to love themselves. Maybe, maybe it's just you're giving an example. I think what it sounds like is you're giving your example. Yeah, because I don't think of myself as the expert. And that's one thing I love about a podcast space is that you aren't the expert. You're just somebody thinking about something and talking about something. And so I have thought about this a lot. So I have insights to share from my personal experience. And I'm really excited to hear about other people and their experiences with how they've cultivated self-compassion and self-love and and this almost this idea of like practical self-love because it can seem so lofty and that's I think one of the things that's so profound to me about journaling and especially journaling you know words of love saying the words you need to hear in a journal form to yourself because it's practical anybody can do that it's 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 concrete and and I I like it when things are grounded I I can get kind of annoyed when things are just lofty like just just feel more love. It's like, what does that even mean? What is mm-hmm. I don't I what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I know we wanted to get into journaling. Yes, we did. I've always noticed you you journal every day. You're mm-hmm. very diligent about it. Sometimes twice a day. And I used to like journaling, and I also follow the Stoic philosophy, and they journal. That's that's how we found Marcus Aurelius's works. Is his, we found his journal. And he's one of the greatest Stoics. He was a Roman emperor, a great Roman emperor uh, by many accounts. And and I've noticed that journaling has helped me profoundly, whether I'm talking about something I'm not happy about or if I just want to write random thoughts that are in my head that don't make any sense. I always try to write affirmations like life is good and I'm grateful for what I have. Mm -hmm. And then just taking that time, I always feel a great release, like a weight lifted from my head. I don't know exactly what that is yet. I'm still discovering that. But just the act of journaling, even if it's one line, it does something to the brain. That's really powerful. And I notice that my day is better because of it. I'm more productive. I'm happier to do things. I see things in a better light. And it's like it's like a glass of water for the mind. I don't know. I love that. I just want to be clear that I'm not perfect when it comes to daily journaling. I take breaks whenever, you know. Mm. I think some sometimes I've been in a good rhythm lately, but, um, so that's what Dylan has seen, <laughs> but I, I'm definitely not perfect. I definitely ebb and flow. And I, this is something I think you and I talked about on the episode with Brooke Lorimer, my friend, and uh, she's another coach of thinking about journaling and how I think it's really important to make it about what serves you, you know, don't journal for somebody else. Don't journal based on what other people think you should journal about or what other people think you should write about. It's literally a space for you, and it's whatever you want it to be. And I think it's great to try out ideas other people have for prompts and different journal things like that. To Trying things on helps us get to know ourselves better. Like, oh, I like that, or oh, I really hate that, or whatever it is. Um, but I think perfectionism and like making sure you do it every single day is sometimes... I know it's something that got in the way of me feeling like good about journaling. It could almost create mm. resistance to it. I didn't know at that. Certain points. Yeah, it's fun to share that with you. Because, you know, like I said, I've been journaling since I was 13, and it's it has not been every day. Mm-hmm. Um, That's good to know. Yeah. I like that. It's real. I don't journal every day, mm-hmm. but I feel good when I do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a balance for me where sometimes I'll force myself to do it, mm-hmm. and I'll feel better because of it. Mm-hmm. And other times, I'm okay not doing it. You know, there's sometimes where I, I could see it and I keep it. I think an important thing for me is keeping it where I see it every day. 
I keep it near my Memento Mori coin that says you could leave life right now. Mm-hmm. It's something Marcus Aurelius talked about. Just appreciating every day. So I, I have it in front of me, and sometimes I'll look at it, and I'll just feel that pull that I, I have something to write down, mm-hmm. even if I don't know what that is, mm-hmm. even if I don't know what that something is. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So this is something you talk about. Is yeah. your, Really, a lot of this started with journaling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, you know, in a way, a few of the first, quote-unquote, love letters to the self happened before the year-long project, just kind of spontaneously. I just felt like kind of writing something based on this idea that comes from this author, Matt Kahn, who talks about uh, saying the words that you most need to hear. And I was like, ooh, what do I most need to hear? (laughs) And then I really played with it and imagined, you know, somebody else saying it to me. My future beloved is actually one of the first love letters I wrote to myself was really imagining a future beloved and the things that he would say. And, uh, and, And then I read it as if I was saying it to myself when I was reading it back. And I was like, whoa, this feels so true. This feels so beautiful. So it's been, a, it's been an evolution and a very creative and fun process, honestly. I think I've just had so much fun with it. That's partly why it feels exciting to have the podcast because I get to share all this joy of the experience. So. I love that. What, Dylan, what were you saying earlier about how Love Signals feels like a whole perspective to you or like a whole way of seeing things that has changed your perspective or something like that. I think when you are able to have a dialogue with yourself, it changes the whole game. Mm-hmm. I don't think people realize, I don't. Th- I think a lot of people shy away from it. They don't have a dialogue with themselves. They have thoughts. I think people who pray have it mm-hmm. because you're sitting there, you're closing your eyes, you're praying to God. And so you're verbalizing your thoughts. It's a way of journaling. It's saying the things that you don't feel good about, the things you want to do better on, and the things you hope to happen. A lot of people who don't pray or don't journal, they don't take or don't meditate, even though meditate is the absence of... Well, well it's the acknowledgement of watching your thoughts rather than trying to think thoughts. Yeah, I, yeah, that's basis. I mean, there's lots of forms of meditation. They say it's the mind watching itself. I have my own versions of meditation that I'm happy with. Mm-hmm. But the point of that is I don't think a lot of people take time of quiet to have a cognizant conversation with themselves mm. it's like how many people don't even know who they are yeah how many people have not had a dialogue with themselves ever yeah. and so when you're doing that you have the shell of a person you're acting like an animal in ways okay i like donuts so i eat them i don't know why i like donuts i don't know why i feel like i need to eat them mm. or i like watching football i don't know why i like watching it it makes me feel okay maybe it's distracting you from something mm. When you never have a dialogue with yourself, it's something that you can hear one time and then everything changes. Whoa, I don't have a dialogue with myself. Who am I? I I just have these outer surface things that life has told me to like. So I like that TV show they put in front of me. I like that candy they put in front of me. Or I like the fast food restaurant that I pass on the way home from work because it smells good. But why do you like any of that? Have you ever asked yourself once why you do the things you do? And I think Love Signals, to me, paints it in a very clear way. Create a dialogue with yourself and love yourself through the process so that it blooms like a flower and you're not just tearing yourself apart. Because if you're tearing yourself apart, that's just criticism. You're never going to do it again. And that's not a compassionate dialogue. Mm -hmm. A lot of us don't talk to our friends nearly as badly as we talk to ourselves. Mm. So it's And criticism is a one-way street. It's like yelling at a dog. Whereas love signals, is a, it's a dialogue. Mm. 
of love. You're asking yourself something, you're answering, and you're repeating that through journaling, through voice memos, through uh, an inquisitive mind of yourself. And it takes bravery to look inside your own heart. And I just think so many people are lacking that. And it's something, like I said, you can hear, and right away it changes everything. Because you know, if you're honest with yourself, you know if it's something you're doing or not. That was so beautiful. Wow. Yeah, I think that um, this piece around dialogue is so beautiful. And 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 it is so possible. I, I've spent so much. It, it can sound kind of silly. Um, but to imagine different parts of ourselves talking to ourselves, you know, there's, and, and I think one of the cool things to me about love signals is that it's empowering. It's like, we realize that we can be the source of love that maybe we feel deeply, deeply mm -hmm. starved for. Yeah. Cause so many, I think so many of us are going around just feeling like desperate for somebody to love us, desperate for somebody to tell us that we're okay, to tell us that we're enough. And we all know those people. They become vampires. Their cup is never filled. Mm -hmm. They just take and take and take. Mm -hmm. And they become monsters out of their own need for love because it's always outside of themselves. Yeah. And and they're never satisfied. They're never satisfied. And 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 I think, you know, so that that's an extreme, right? That's one end of the spectrum. And then the other, the main, I think most of us live in kind of somewhere in the middle where we, yeah. depends on the day, depends on how we're feeling about ourselves, depends on the different inter interactions we've had or experiences we've had. And, um, and so, yeah, so I think for me, like a lot of the love signal process and experience has been, it's like as I fill up on love in myself and become this like generator mm -hmm. of that, yes. that then... Not only do I notice how much love is out there, because I think it's it's almost like we calibrate to not noticing it. There's this idea of the reticular activating system in the brain that creates a cognitive bias, and so that whole thing of like when you when you, you know you just bought a, a gray Nissan and then all you see you see a bunch of gray Nissans that same week or something where whatever it is that you're kind of focused on, you see more of that. And so it can kind of create this bias where you start to notice certain things more, which is so profound to realize that there's so many things happening all the time, but our brain isn't, isn't pointing it all out to us. Yeah. We only, we only notice, you know, a small percentage of what's actually going on around us. And so for me, love signals, it's like I became, and I, and it's still a becoming, it's an ongoing process of being this source of love, being this generator of love for myself, but then also starting to notice love out there and notice like all the, all the signals of love. And it's really beautiful because, oh, it's, well, it's just so soothing. It's just so nice to not be running around looking for it. And for me, I felt like I had quite a bit of self-love and contentment going into the project, but it, for me, it was more these zones where I could kind of fall into the pit of despair or, or just into this kind of panicked place in certain relationships or in certain settings where maybe some more insecurity or self-criticism would crop up. And it's like, I feel like I have more of a floor there that catches me. Uh, and, and there's just like a stronger sense of okayness and trust, even when I don't know what's happening, even when I feel like things are shaky. And to me, that's, I, I love feeling empowered. And so I think that's one of the reasons I, I love all of this so much too. Yeah, I love that. I think a lot of our issues stem from not being uh, in touch with ourselves. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and I think Love Signals represents that dialogue with ourselves where um, I think the people most out of touch take the most from others. You know, when, when you, because they're so out of touch with themselves, they never have had that dialogue or at least a continued dialogue where they face themselves that they don't know why they're in pain. They just know they get temporary relief when they take from others or something outside of themselves, whether it's food or drugs or alcohol or quote unquote love from somebody, uh, where if their well is filled from themselves, they say, oh, I know why I was doing that now. Mm-hmm. I know why I was reaching for the alcohol. Or I know why I could never feel enough love from a partner. It was me. I, when you look inside, they fix those issues so that there's something deep to love mm-hmm. rather than a need to fill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's pretty profound. And, and one of the things that I really like about the process of journaling and all of that and something that I want to explore in the podcast is different kind of prompts or different ways to go about this because I I really tried on lots of different forms of like these self-love letters and and I think there's certain ways to do it that can kind of help us um, get around the part of the brain that wants to get in there and be like this is weird what are we doing (laughs) and so um, that's part of what I enjoyed exploring was ways to take it deeper ways to kind of bypass the uh (laughs) the kind of hypercritical guards that maybe live in one's mind yeah Mm -hmm. i think we take ourselves way too seriously and we don't even know who we are Mm -hmm. right it's like it's like we're so committed to this idea of who we are and we don't even know what that is yeah you you, it really doesn't matter in the end we're all silly Mm -hmm. you know the silliest we're the silliest and it's okay to be that to, to be a silly goose. You know, I think we judge ourselves so much that we, we, we prevent ourselves from following our dreams because we're scared of what others think. Yeah. And a lot of our self-criticism is based on other people's opinions when chances are they're not even freaking thinking about you. They really aren't. And when we die someday, I mean, a few people might go to our funeral and then that's that. Like, we're forgotten. Like, mm-hmm. most likely if we're forgotten... And it just doesn't matter. So really being comfortable to be silly, face yourself, have a dialogue with yourself, love yourself. Don't take yourself so damn seriously. Mm-hmm. Okay, you've made some mistakes. Well, and to or me, okay, you've done something great. Either way, just yeah. being able to face that honesty, is it's really cool. It, it For me, it's explained a lot of my behaviors is what I'm trying to get to. Ooh. And I've been able to cast out a lot of the extra weight that I just don't need. I'm like, man, I see why I was doing that. I just don't need that. Mm-hmm. I'd rather do something I thoroughly enjoy and I know why I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Two things. One, for me, I think, and I'm actually kind of realizing this as we talk about it, I think that part of why I had such success with the, the specific you know, year-long project was that I really framed it lightly to myself. It was just an experiment. I didn't. I didn't expect anything specific to come out of it, which I think it's okay to have specific goals in mind, but it was just so light. I was really being playful with it of just like, you know what, let's just see. I don't know. I feel inspired to try this out. Let's just see what happens. And I think that was such a gift. I, I don't I don't know if I realized how profound that was to to frame it in that light way to myself because then I wasn't taking myself so seriously. Then I wasn't um, putting so much pressure on it. I... It was just an experiment, and I got to be curious and see what I learned. And I find the more that I hang out in that headspace of 
curiosity and experimentation, the more I, number one, engage with life and actually do shit. And number two, the more I enjoy myself. Because then it's all fun. It's all interesting. It's not big failure, big success. It's just like we tried and here's what we learned and off we go to keep doing that. So yeah, that's number one. I'll say number two, but you can reply. Get in there. Uh, I'm just wanting to say you are so freaking cute. <laughs> Thanks, Dylan. Yeah, I love your, I love everything you got going on. <laughs> Thank you. That's yeah. very sweet. <laughs> everything you got to say. That's the thing that I loved about your podcast is I was just immediately drawn. Everything you say just has a certain light to it. You have a bias, though. I have no bias ever about anything, ever. <laughs> you have the best bias, the, my favorite kind of bias. Thank you. But, you know, that, and that's, it's, it is interesting and exciting to be in the podcast world now. And to be holding that lightly as well, you know, for myself, because it's the, 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 the on-ramps of thoughts that want to take me on the highway of self-doubt <laughs> are, are there. <laughs> this summer, Love Signals with Michaela McDonald. <laughs> so what was the second thing you wanted to oh, talk about? Oh, the second thing. Can I remember it? Let's see. Oh, yes. I don't remember where I heard this, but I love, I love this as like... Um, I've been saying this phrase a lot, so please forgive me. A thought experiment <laughs> of two children and one who's been criticized their whole lives, right? Everything they do, they're criticized. They're, they're only having things pointed out to them that they've done wrong or how they could have done things better. And then there's another child who is encouraged and loved and supported and So when you picture these two children, how do you imagine them interacting with their day-to-day life? When something bad happens, how would they respond, right? When something good happens, how would they respond? And how do you imagine them feeling just like as a baseline as they continue to grow up? And I think it's so profound to reflect on like the child in all of us because we all were kids. If you're alive today, you were a child once, (laughs) you know? And so we all were children. We all were like deeply tender and innocent and exploring life for the first time, having all these new experiences. And the world might have told us certain ways to translate our experiences and make meaning out of them. And I think part of love signals for me is going back to the whole idea of reparenting. It's not like that I need to fix the parenting that happened. I feel like I had a great childhood, but I think there's always room for more love. You know, it's like, I, I want to I wanna know what like profound saturation of love is like. And so that's kind of the ex- exploration for me. And that little kid in me seems to respond really well when she feels that she's loved no matter what. I really love that. I think that's a, a great way to see it. Yeah. You got me thinking now. Ooh, I yeah. got him thinking. Yeah, it's very, it's very easy to see the, uh, the very obvious effect that would have. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a lot of hurt people out there that don't know why they're hurt or that they're hurt in the first place. Yeah. And hurt people hurt people, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and hurt people grow up and have babies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's scary. So... But it's, I don't, but I mean, sure, it's scary, but I also think it's okay. I think it's part of the human condition. Cause like, I think that healing from, from pain is a beautiful process in, in and of itself. 
you know. If you can do it. If you can do it, yeah. Yeah, I think there needs to be far more awareness. There's a lot of people having kids right now, and there's a lot of increased turmoil in the world right yeah. now. And no, that's there's, for sure. And with, especially with, like, deep censorship happening, it's like there needs to be, there, there needs to be uh, an equal and free space for us to speak on these things because these narratives don't seem to help us. And so I think when we can have open, honest conversations with ourselves, but with each other as well, that's where healing can, can begin. That totally reminds me of something I know you and I talk about a lot of anytime there's a should, there's some kind of bullshit there. And this is something that I've I've realized for myself, and I feel like that's part of what you're talking about of like in the world of censorship and the way that we can not feel fully free to explore ideas and to ask questions of, you know, you shouldn't ask or you should know or you should like this or you shouldn't like this and you should agree with this and you should disagree with that. Um, I think there's, there's just a lot of bullshit there. And mm-hmm. so, and that's the other thing when it comes to self-love and all of that is that it does feel empowering. I feel like I trust myself more. I trust life more. I feel much more resilient and able to face things head on uh, that that I need to face head on. And mm-hmm. and then and then the the things I don't need to face, the things that that that's a fight that's not mine, I feel at peace with just letting it go. Yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. This episode's been awesome. Is there anything else you'd like to add to what Love Signals is? No, I think this is great because it's evolving. I, th- I think that's, that's the thing, the idea of love signals. I have certain ideas about what it is, but I'm still deep in the question. Mm. And maybe I always will be of what are love signals? That's where the fun is. Mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you. Yeah, thank you too. This has helped me understand it a lot more. Good. Yeah. I really look forward to hearing your new episode this Wednesday Ooh. on Spotify and iTunes and Google and everything. Everywhere. Give it a follow. Give it a listen. You can subscribe to it. And uh, I highly recommend you do. First episode's like less than 10 minutes. I mean, seven seven minutes. That's my favorite number. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. I really thoroughly did. It excited me. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. So I love you guys. I appreciate you listening. I encourage you to check out Michaela McDonald's podcast, Love Signals. Do it. (laughs) And uh, I'll see you every Monday on Everyone is Canceled. We have our own projects coming out, I hope, by the end of this year but hopefully a lot sooner than that. Mm -hmm. So we will be venturing into YouTube soon. There will be something for you to enjoy there. When when you say we, do you mean the collective that is everyone is canceled? Yes. All the people who live in your brain? All of them. (laughs) Millions more every day. (laughs) It's like, every time I listen to this podcast, I feel like I'm listening to a different host with the same name. (laughs) What is happening? And why do I like this? See, you've already been doing parts dialoguing just on your podcast. That's, you know, why you're so wonderful, I think. Yes. <laughs> I'm lost, but I, I yes. <laughs> Dialogue with Dylan Randall. You better be fucking vaccinated. <laughs> listen to your doctor, obey the laws in your country, don't listen to me. I love you guys. Uh, have a great week, and uh, I hope you've had a great week. And thank you again, Michaela, for joining me. And... Uh, Take care. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Ever